We are back with another episode of the Curtain Call Podcast. It's episode number 103, and as always, a production of the Yes Network. He is Yes Network President of Production and Programming and Executive Producer, John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle, producer Dan Bassone with us as well. We're back after the World Series. It's the beginning of the baseball offseason for the Yankees. There was a lot of reaction to the remarks made by Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman last week. Free agency is expected to start to heat up here. We will touch on all of that. John, I have to welcome you in, though, to this episode and do it with a little transparency because I uh, I went to France, as you may recall. You gave me some great off-the-beaten-path recommendations, mainly grave sites of, of dead people here. And uh, I, I have to be <laughs> honest, I went to France and I did nothing that you suggested. And I, I had a great time. Well, I'm glad you avoided the dead people because you know there's nothing to be guarded there, I suppose. I mean, they're not going to offer you any advice. So, you know, there's not they're not great conversationalists anymore. They're, I mean, it's certainly from history, you can learn a lot from some of those people who passed away. But in terms of you know modern engagement, you were probably smart to avoid a conversation with them. Yes. Uh, you uh, recommended I'll, Napoleon's gravesite, Jim Morrison's gravesite, things that interest me. Oscar Wilde, Wild, Edith Piaf, a lot of interesting. Yeah. The, you, this is all fascinating to me. Um, it was cold and damp and rainy the entire time. So, you know, doing doing those type of outdoor activities, they didn't rank high on the, the girlfriends weather, to do The weather this. didn't work it for you. The no, weather. no. Definitely not to visit a graveyard. No. Yeah, okay. No. I'll take that. I'll accept that. So we we remained in the city in, in Paris and, you know, stuck with the wine and cheese. Good time. Just just no visits to grave sites. Uh, but thank you. And I will, I'm going to file that away for future trips down the road for sure. Cause it's definitely a place I'd like to return. How was the flights? The flight over nice coming back flights. Okay. I'll tell you what the flight going there because there was some wild weather yeah, uh, yeah. in Europe while we were there. We got there in record time. We got there in like four hours and change. I'm talking about hyper wind activity, like hyper tailwind. Yeah. Coming back about eight hours, so definitely a lot longer. But going there, we, I was about to say, we flew. Yeah, we did. Uh, But we we shaved like an hour off the projected time. It was great. Nice. Yeah. Good movies. You watch movies? What did you do on a plane? I watched movies. Um, That's the problem. We, I have to admit, we we indulged. We shelled out a lot of money for those like United Polaris seats. And yeah. I I feel shortchanged because there was an hour shaved off our flight times. So I wanted to stay there in the reclining seat and all that, but uh, but yeah, I caught up on uh all the all the curb your enthusiasm. So I'm ready for season twelve to come out at the start of next year. Uh, I watched uh, uh I, this would be as as obscure as you're gonna get here. I watched a documentary on the advent of women's boxing and the hardships that. Some of them undertook in the uh, in the seventies to obtain licenses to fight. So, yeah, okay, yeah, and enthralling stuff. Right. Okay, but uh, overall, uh, a, a yeah, great trip. Landed. Thank God you landed safely. <laughs> Either way, and that was that. Yeah, we'll I know on. it's 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 stuff that that definitely you know piques your interest. I I, yeah. I can tell. Uh, I found it in like the niche audience section on the airplane monitor. So, uh, it was a good flight though, both ways. Good. Yeah, uh, let's How get to this baseball offseason. How was the meal? again? How was the meals? You said you were Polaris. How was the meals? Below expectations. Really? What, yeah. What, what, uh, what, what, all at the end of the day, it still looked and uh, tasted like plain food. A plain P L A I N or P L A N E? The former. Oh, plain food. Yeah. 
Oh, see, I still got it. Okay. Yeah. So, I know yeah. I've been on flights and I've been on Polaris before where that's not the case, but for this one, yeah. it, it was very, it was very ordinary. Um, but again, it was only four and a half hours going by the time we were, we were coming back. I had already put on a lot so, of. You know, so nice... you're, okay. So you're saying that you had less time, which made it, you know, the flight a little bit more acceptable because it was less time in the air and all that. I get that. Well, but, here's why. Cause it was a, it was a night, it was a nighttime flight. Yeah. So we wanted right. we wanted more hours to yeah. to be able to kind of rest and sleep and then yeah. just attack yeah. the day once we landed. We were like yeah. zombies landing at you know seven a.m. local time in, in yeah. France, and we we had to go down for a nap. But uh, that that wouldn't have been the case if the uh, the tailwind wasn't there. This is really fascinating. I'm glad you find it fascinating. Just... No, I, it's good. I mean, I'm glad. Listen, I'm glad you're catching me up on your. That's, I think it's great. <laughs> but you're right. But yeah, we got to we got to we got to Paris faster than it would take to get to like Limburg. LA or San Diego. Yeah, Lindbergh got there. That's it's absolutely true. Yeah. Where's his gravesite? You can recommend that one. I know where it is. It's in Maui. Oh, okay. I've been there actually. I would love to fly Polaris to Maui for sure. Yeah, but you're not going to get shave the time off of it. And the meals are not going to be different, and it's all different. Mm. But something but, to look into, though. Yes, for sure. on the podcast, we could we could talk about. It. <laughs> Take it on the road. I think Dan Bassone's ready for that. Already, already. remote broadcast. Uh, right. Let's get let let's let's dive into uh, let's the dive. list of our topics here because right. <laughs> the the Yankees a little while ago actually announced that they they hired the new hitting coach. It's going to be James Rousen. Um, does that tell you anything about the direction the team's going to be going in for 2024? You got to have hitters. <laughs> you know, it's uh, coaches are great. And, you know, some coaches, you know, different philosophies, some coaches stick. Their philosophies are more uh, salient than, than others. Um, and, but I don't, I, he comes with a great reputation. I know that people like him. I don't know a lot about him, to be honest with you, other than what I've heard and what I've heard of good things. So he has a reputation of being able to work with players. Players listen to him. Uh, you know, has nice credentials. So I think he's a good hire. I mean, time will tell, you know, but, you know, but, you know, unless you have the, the personnel who could, you know, take the instruction, then it's all kind of a moot point, right? Yeah. So let's say they don't have the personnel, but as of, you know, judging by what we did last year, um, judging by the end of the season, no pun intended with choosing Judge, because Judge is not part of this. But Yankees need to hit better. They didn't hit at all. And it was one of the reasons that they had they struggled as mightily as they did last year. The offense just was not there with them on any kind of any kind of consistency at all. A couple of players here or there, but for the most part, they could very, very inconsistent and you know, they've got to uh, they've got to figure out a better way because uh they just didn't get it done last year. And um that was one of the main problems, games that they couldn't stay in. Even when they got really strong pitching, they couldn't just couldn't win games as, as much as they should have because they, the offense just wasn't there. When they fell behind, they had they were behind. Very difficult for them to to overcome any 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 lead that anytime they were behind and they played behind quite a bit. It was very, very difficult for them to mount rallies and score runs and they just couldn't put it together. The power wasn't there. The on base getting on base. You got to get on base. Yankees didn't get on base. You got to walk. They didn't walk. They didn't get on base. They struggled. They really struggled mightily offensively outside of, you know, towards one or one or two guys who were able to, you know, through injury, also injury hurt them. There were a lot of reasons why they struggled. It wasn't just there's not talking about talent here. I'm talking about just just inconsistency or injuries and, you know, um, 
but uh, hopefully they'll this they'll rebound and they'll they'll address some offense in the offseason. You know, they'll make some changes offensively. There are players they're going to get that will help them offensively, and they need to do that. And a, a, a fresh start with another hitting coach would be great. Well, Sean Casey did a nice job. Sean Casey left on his own. He wasn't told to leave. Uh, so he was doing a nice job to the tail end players were starting to respond to him, but it was tough. It was tough. There just wasn't enough. They just honestly, they just had too much inconsistency. And there wasn't, there wasn't enough talent there. When especially when, when the regulars, when players went down through injury, it just wasn't the talent to replace. It just wasn't there. So first and foremost with you hundred percent of the way you need better hitters, but in, from a coaching perspective, I think it does tell us something about the direction the teams are going in only because it's their third coach uh, in the last calendar year or so. So we have a better idea of where they're coming from and where they might be uh, wanting to go. So I would say it does. I think it represents kind of that split. You mentioned Sean Casey's name. I I think it represents the split of what they, uh, what they wanted, what it sounded like they wanted. It feels like they wanted a combo of their, previous two hitting coaches with Casey and Dylan Lawson. So they, they liked the analytical information Lawson possessed, but didn't seem like he could convey that to the players. They liked Casey's relatability. Uh, I've met James Rouse a couple of times uh, in years past when he was the, the Yankees minor league hitting coordinator point is he has years of experience as a coach, years of experience as a major league coach. I think that's huge. He's been a big league hitting coach for nearly a decade with other teams. So you're you're not a coach in the big leagues in this day and age without not knowing a thing or two about the analytics side. So I think they hired a good baseball person who who might be a blend of the two qualities that they were also looking the, for. Also, the the, uh, the hitting coach Larson, they used his philosophy in the minor leagues on how to hit, and they That's didn't what, change it. And they didn't change it once he so was gone. Of, yeah, right. So you know they're starting to realize that maybe the uppercut philosophy wasn't exactly the right philosophy for them. And uh, because it didn't bear the results uh, on big league level the way they thought it would. And, you know, um, you know, Volpe's going to be a real good player. Volpe's a re- Volpe want to go glove. So he could play some defense for sure. And he's a good guy. And, uh, you know, he, he got some big hits for the Yankees last year. He has some power because he can the speed, you know, but he obviously, you know, hitting 205 is not where you want to be. And, uh, you know, and uh, again, I, I think that uh, he was not the, I don't think he was the centerpiece of the problems of the team. Because I do think he offered a lot, and as a glimpse into the future, I think he's going to be a really good player. But then Peraza showed he could play some defense. He's got to hit better, you know. They, but they believe in him too. He may be a second baseman in the future. You know, who who knows what they'll do with third base? You know, there's a question of maybe moving Torres over to third, put Peraza at second, let Bopi play short. You know, there's all sorts of things they're thinking. Maybe maybe the Chapman's on the market. Maybe you look at him. You know, there's there's a lot of things, a lot of players that they have who they feel there's a future with them, and they'll put, maybe play them in other positions. And there are players that you know they'll use to trade to help them get some other players who fit pieces that they need. This is going to be a very busy offseason for the Yankees, and quite candidly, it needs to be. You know, this is not the greatest of years for the Yankees. They had a winning record, which is nice, but that that doesn't cut it. You got to be in the playoffs if you're the Yankees. You, you got to win a World Series, and that's the goal. For the one organization will tell you otherwise. That has to be the goal, and that's what they need to strive for. So, you know, making the playoffs is nice, but winning the World Series is what they need to do, especially now they do. And they are one of the big teams. As a, an answer to a question I have for you a little bit later on here, but I want to I want to get some reaction from what happened last week because there wasn't a lot of news. Over the last several weeks during the postseason as it related to the Yankees. And then you have Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman speaking on the same day. A lot of reaction on how those two gentlemen delivered their messages to fans and reporters last week. My only concern here, though, through all of that was this. 
did it tell us anything about what may be happening next? You know, what, what does this lead to? So do you, do you feel like we learned anything from Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman about what may be happening next with the Yankees? Well, if you, you learned a few things. One is obviously nobody was thrilled, you know, with, uh, with last season. Um, I know Brian said some things at the top about they thought the team was really good and everything. And, and it, it you know, I, I think Brian was frustrated. Uh, so, I mean, I, I love Brian Cashman a long time. I like Brian Cashman a lot. I don't like him a little bit. I like him a lot. He's a good guy. He knows his stuff. And he had a lot of very productive years. In the last couple of you know, some of them have been struggles. Let's face it. Let's, we can't call last year a success because it wasn't. And it has to chip the, the you know the block. The chip has to stop with the uh, you know the buck has to stop with somebody. And you know whether that's Hal or it's you know it's Brian or it's Randy. You know it's all of them. The buck has to stop someplace, I and mean, that's the management. And the Yankees have done a really good job over the years of putting a pretty good good ball club on the field. You know, championships are always a metric. So the last, you know, the last several years have been a struggle for them and championships for sure. But they've always been, at least been in it and you at least till the end pretty much. You know, always got to the end and you realize the Yankees were going to be there most years. So they put a pretty decent product on the field. You know, some of this stuff is always a crapshoot injuries. You never know what's going to happen. So not everything, not every plan, not every great plan or plan in your mind that you could see is going to turn out to be great and work for the way you want it to work. That's just life. That's just the way it is. And sports is no different so it's easy to second guess and say they should have done this they should have done that they should have done that you know and, and brian was i think brian was frustrated i just think he was he said some things in frustration i'm sure he would look back on i don't know if he would say them again uh, i don't know you'd have to ask him but i tend to think that he would not have said some of the things he said but he was frustrated and other things he said that were you know they were strong but they were right on some of the things some of the things he said so you know it was a combination of you know uh of uh, i just think it was it it People just didn't expect him to say some of the things that he said and make some of the statements that he made. I think that's where the shock came in. If anything, you know, the Yankees in some senses are doubling down. They're saying, look, I don't think it's really our system. I don't think it's our analytics. I don't think it's that. I think it's some other things, and we're going to work on those other things. But the, nobody's accepting taking this the last year and saying this is the, the best that we can be because, quite candidly, it isn't. But they did have a lot of reasons why they didn't play as well as they should have. And hopefully they'll address some of those things in the offseason, and that's where we go. You know, uh, you know, Hal said some things too. You know, and you know, listen, Hal's the owner, and he's a good owner. He's, uh, you know, uh, he, you know, he cares about the fans. He cares about putting a good product out there. You know, but you know, yeah, but you know, it isn't always about spending money. You know, everybody equates that. You know, look, at, there are other teams out there who spent a lot of money and did had nothing to show for it. You know, we we spent some money and you know, quite, we didn't make the playoffs, so it was you know whatever. But at the end of the day. You know that that was then. You learn from first of all, you learn from mistakes, and hopefully you you go you move forward on them. And I I think the Yankees learned a lot about, about that and learned themselves about a lot about themselves after last year too. I don't think there's no resting on your laurels now because you know this is it. You got to put you can't come off of last year and put another year together like that without there being significant backlash to the organization, to the fans, to all of us. So they know that, and they're going to do everything they can to rectify what was not a very good season for them last year. Well, the, but who saw the injuries? Some of the injuries that happened who saw them coming who thought you'd lose Aaron Judge for half a season who thought that the you know the Rizzo would have the issues that he wound up having with the concussion and you know we could do this through up and down the lineup we were losing players that you know never never established themselves in left field having different center fielders uh, yeah. was coming players going injuries you know plenty of things that were unfolding and happening and we were talking about as the season was unfolding Esther Cortez yeah. you know, 
that Rendon didn't start pitching until the middle of the season. I mean, so many things that they didn't anticipate were going to happen just happened. That's just the game. And, you know, it wasn't that the, they they tried to be as prepared as they could be, but even their depth got attacked. You know, so they were forced to make put players in the game who, you know, were, were you know, DFA'd from other teams, sometimes it's two times or whatever, and try to get through all that. So it's been a tough, it's been a really tough time for them. But I think that, you know, I think some of that frustration showed and that's it. You know, I think you, you learn from it and we move on and we get it off your chest and, you know, we uh, we move forward. We have a lot of talent in the organization. We move forward and we'll address it as best we can. Hopefully the offseason helps us. Yeah, I think the the big takeaway for me from both from both men is that like nothing they said or could have said or would have said was gonna carry as much weight as wins. Like no no one's really concerned. They want to see what you what you go out and do next. Yes. So I think that's obviously a large shopping list for the offseason in the eyes of some fans. They 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 feel like this team has work to do. Two biggest names, at least on the hitting side, linked to the Yankees here are Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger. And, John, what's painful to me about this time of year are the rumors. Like, I used to love reading everything and hearing the hot stove rumors growing up, going through college. Uh, Now I'm trying to, like, uncode what rumors actually have validity to them in the age of of social media. So we're going to hear rumors about the Yankees being linked to Soto or Bellinger until it is completely settled. One has to be acquired via trade. Another is just going to be costing dollars and cents here. So my question for you, which player do you believe is more likely to end up with the Yankees? Is it Soto or is it Bellinger? Um, Soto. I would say Soto. I mean, it, it could be Bellinger, but I, I tend to believe that it would be Soto. Um, well, you you have to drive a stake into, into one side here, John. Come on. Soto. All right. I'd go Soto um, because, but, but see, you know, either one and either one is, would certainly be a welcome addition. You know, you need, you need power. You need lefty, especially power. Uh, they really need it uh, desperately. They need power and they need lefty. Um, so, it, but some uh, Soto is a, you know, Bellinger had a, it was a star and had a couple of rough years and then came back and was a star again last year. Now, did his bounce back year, was that just part of a trend that's going to go forward or was that just an aberration? And you don't know. And he's, but, but because the market is so thin, he's going to command a minimum of six years. He might even get seven from somebody who really wants him desperately may go to seven. At the least, he's going to get six and it's going to get, you know, decent money, you know, to, 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 to do it. So it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you years. Not that you, listen, you have to, you have to, you have to improve the position. So you got to, you got to figure something out. But to me, if you're going to go that way, Soto is Soto is, is a franchise type player. I don't know that Bellinger is a franchise player. I think he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong; he's a very good player, but he's not a franchise player. I think Soto is a franchise player, definitely. I mean, look at what he's done. Look at what you know what he he did, and he got for a slow start in San Diego. All kinds of stories about the clubhouse and things and all that craziness that was going on, and he still had a really, really pretty solid year, really good year. And again, he's only 24 years old, so he's a child. I mean, in, in, in the world of athletics, he's not he's not even in his prime yet. And look at what he's done and look at what he's capable of doing. So if you're going to invest, that's kind of where you should go. But again, we could make a trade. You'd have to give up. The Yankees don't have a, a, a lot of deep prospects. They have some good prospects, but not a lot of depth. So if you're going to trade, they're going to have to give up some significant prospects to get him, number one. But again, 
that, you, that you're only getting it for the year unless you could sign them long term. Therein lies the problem because I don't know that that that, he'll, that he's willing to make that deal. His agent Scott Boris will make that deal. I don't know what they'll do and won't do, but something tells me that you know, they they want to play it out and see what else the free agent market holds. They're going to try to maximize that opportunity for him, so they may not be in a hurry to want to sign. And uh, so you sit there and say, do you make that trade or do you make that trade only contingent upon a sign and getting a window to sign him and having being being able to figure that deal out? Which the only way you could do that is if he his side wants to be able to do that. They're willing to listen to make a deal and not wait till the end. And because you know he can get hurt this year, all kinds of things could happen. All of a sudden, that that really that 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 you know that pot of money that you see isn't there. So there's a lot of things he has to consider, things the Yankees have to consider. So that's a harder deal to put together than just signing somebody as a free agent, which they would just Bellinger is that you don't have to prospects. It's just money. That or it could be other things, but let's go with just money at the point. And there's other teams that are going to want Bellinger, so there's going to be a stiff competition for him. And maybe he doesn't want to play in New York. Who knows? I don't know what his mindset is. Only the you know the, the people who are intimately involved in this could know that. So it's a tough, it's a tough, tough call. But let me put it this way: either one of them really helps the team. If you're asking me who I would prefer, I would prefer Soto because he's younger, and I just think his upside is is like through the roof, really through the roof. I think it's too unpredictable to feel like who will end up with the Yankees. Yeah, it is. So you gave your preference. I'll give my preference. I'll give Soto as well. And you said six years with, with Bellinger and right over right. Right. Uh, as soon as I heard that number, and I do believe it's going to be like a six or seven year deal. It just makes you uncomfortable. Um, there's something about it. And if, if it feels like you're overpaying even in this market here. And not only that, there are certain luxury tax rules that the Yankees are going to have to give up more than just money attached to a long-term deal with Bellinger. They're going to have to give up international spending money, money some draft picks as well. Yes. Um, and and you right. know teams love to hold on to that type of stuff as well. So it's not yes. just a contract with a guy like Cody Bellinger. For Juan Soto, I'm with you 100%. Whatever you're going to give up in prospect capital, it is highly, highly unlikely that any of those prospects are ever going to turn into Juan Soto. And again, he's only 24, like you said. So uh, it is Soto for me. Do all the hard work. I, I, part of my ignorance can can like the Yankees talk with Scott Boris about potentially extending Juan Soto before making the trade there. I know you can negotiate a window to extend it, but can can they go to the agent? Because you're not going to the team; you're going to an agent. You could discuss business. It's it's murky for me. I don't know the rules. I th- I don't you know I don't I'm not crystal clear on them either. But but something to, but it's been done before. So I, I tend to think that first they have they have to work out a trade. They make out a trade, say, with the Padres for whoever they make the trade for, they make a deal. But that trade is contingent upon the Yankees getting an extension. In other words, which means the Padres have to grant the Yankees. They made the trade in theory, but they're going to have to, you know, grant them permission to throw a window to negotiate a contract extension. And if they if they could do it, then the deal gets consummated. If they can't do it, then the deal is is no and void. So that that's my understanding of it. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think I've got most of that right. Uh, yeah, it has been done before. Uh, so I think that would be the most likely scenario. If Juan Soto was dealt to a team like the Yankees, I, I highly doubt it's going to be for just the one year remaining uh, on his contract uh, before he hits free agency. The Yankees have been giving up. Been yeah, giving it'd be baseball down. malpractice for a team like the Yankees to do that. Right. Well, yes, you're right. It would be. And the idea that well, we'll try to do it during the season and then he gets off to a great start and then it's going to be it's hard to just. Yeah, go through it. Once your season starts, you got to do it. You got to get it now. You got to get it in place. And the Yankees are not. I don't think they're going to make a deal like that unless they're, you know, they they could they they have a window to sign them and they'll try their best to sign them. And if they do, then then they've got their guy. 
Right. One of the guys. He's one of the, the the issues they have to address for sure. Yeah. And there were a lot of question marks in San Diego. You touched on a couple of them. One of them is that they, they don't have a manager at the moment. Uh, Bob Melvin went up to San Francisco. A lot of managerial changes happening, uh, especially over the last two weeks. A lot of those vacancies had been filled, but uh, there are two spots that have yet to be filled. That's Milwaukee and San Diego, like we just said. So you had also two former Yankee coaches get first-time managerial jobs with some pretty big teams. Joe Espada with the Astros and Carlos Mendoza jumping from the Bronx to Queens. The Yankees bench coach goes on to become the Mets manager. First managing job for each of those two gentlemen. Uh, Any jump uh, from team to team or just anything jump out at you in regards to the new managerial hirings? Uh, I was, I was, I shouldn't say the Buck thing shocked me because it, it uh, Buck Showalter left them. About not being the Angels manager? I thought he could be the Angels manager. Yeah. I thought that they all along they've had interest in him. He, he was nearly the Angels manager a couple of years ago. Uh, before he wound up uh, with the Mets, he was nearly the, the Angel manager. I know he was. Uh, so I was kind of, I thought for sure that he had a really good shot at that job. I'm sure he did, but I think at the end of the day, they decided to go, to go a different way. Uh, you know, Buck is a really good manager. I'm sorry. I know that the things didn't work out the second year with the Mets, but I don't think that was on Buck. I think Buck, Have you talked with Buck this offseason? I've talked to him two or three times, yes. He's a friend of mine. And I, I talk to him with regularity. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Buck. Buck is a really good baseball person. Next to Stick Michael, he's one of the, he's the smartest baseball person I've ever met. That's how much, that's how highly I think of Buck as a baseball person. And I think, I thought he did a really nice job with the Mets. I really did. But, you know, they decided they wanted to go a different way. The team didn't perform last year and uh, they put a new head of baseball operations in and he had his mind made up about what he wanted to do. And that's his, that's their prerogative. It's the owner's prerogative. It's the, the new head of operations, Stearns. It's his, it's his prerogative to do what they want to do. And so they made a move and that's what they decided to do. But, but uh, you know, I, so I looked at that and I so surprised that Buck didn't land right away with something, but you know, he'll have, there'll be other options and other opportunities for him. In fact, he wants to to avail himself of those things. Um, I I don't you know I look I like I like Ron Washington. I've always liked Ron Washington. He's a really good baseball person. I like Dusty Baker, really good baseball person. So you know Joe Espada knows the stuff and really you know I I thought Mendoza was an interesting was an interesting choice. Not that he's not qualified. He's qualified for sure. And but I just didn't I, I just didn't see that right away because that that whole thing happened so quickly it kind of almost shocked me I was almost shocked because I thought the Mets would get counsel but 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 every then there were people who told me that he would not fit in New York he wasn't didn't want to come here he wasn't a good fit for New York for a variety of reasons and so counsel made you know made a decision that the you know he wanted he didn't want to be here he wanted to go someplace else and so he went to uh, went to the Cubs which uh, and that even surprised me because you know Ross is a good baseball man too so I, I'm just was just so many things so quickly and they weren't they were out of the norm of what you would consider to be the normal arc of when these things happen who replaces them so in every which case i mean that's just not me not so much a spotter because he was in the organization right so he's with houston in the organization but when you're not and you come from the outside it's just it happens as quickly as it does it's sometimes it's a sh- surprise so that would surprise me some of the moves although when i think about them they weren't none of them really made bad moves they were all interesting moves i i understood why melvin wanted to get out of the uh, san diego uh and, and he's a great Bob Mellon is a great baseball man. I go to a great one. So I'm really happy that he's with the Giants. They're a really good baseball organization and they really, they need his expertise. That was a move. They they had to make a change and, and he's the right guy for them. So I was happy to see him do that and for the Giants as well. And the Yankees reportedly wanted to interview Melvin after Joe Girardi 
yes. wasn't brought back. Yes. Um, one thing on Buck, though, well, do, you, do you get the sense that it's either managing or nothing with him when working for a major league team? No, I, I don't. I, I get the sense that he would consider something else if something else would had real teeth to it. You know, if you wanted to bring him to the organization, as you know, uh, and, and people do. You know, I mean, I'm not suggesting the Yankees do it because the Yankees have, you know, we, you know, you have Omar Minaya and you have Brian Sabian, you, you know, you have, uh, you have uh, the Tim Nearing, you have so many people of uh, Jim Hendry, you have so many people who have uh, either general manager experience or close to being general manager experience. So, you know, it's like I, I, to bring him in as an advisor. You already have so many good baseball people there. I don't know that that would be a perfect fit for 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 a filmer like Buck. But Buck would fit in that role with a lot of teams who you wanted to because he knows so he knows so much about the game. He knows so much about the personnel in the game. You know, he just he's just he's just a great baseball mind to have on your staff. And he will make any place he goes better by his presence. And he always has. I mean, sometimes he's had, you know, I think his issues have been sometimes, you know, he doesn't, he's an older generational guy. He's uh, the, and he sees things through that filter and that lens. And maybe that doesn't fit with some of the some of the uh, the analytics that go on today and some of the, the styles of, you know, who's uh, the, the deciding what players go where and how and who fits in a game. I don't know that that's his cup of tea. And I'm not saying it isn't. I think he tried very hard to try to, you know, fit the analytics with the old school philosophy on how to get things done. And I and I think that's, that's a very hard thing for a manager. I mean, Bochy pulled it off. Bruce Bochy had no issue doing it. He did it. I'm, and, and you know what? I think they just told go manage. I don't think they threw... Mm -hmm a lot of sabermetrics at him or a lot of analytics at him. I think there's some, there has to be, because some of the analytics are actually very good. It's, it's the data. It's how you get the data and how you apply the data. So I think that it's some, it, I think that, you know, uh, in some cases, these, uh, the mm -hmm. people can do it more easily than others. And, you know, and if you can't do it, it's really not a knock on you. It's just that the game has gone in a certain direction and that pendulum may be too analytically driven and it's starting to go back the other way now a little bit. So we'll see. I think it, to me, I think the organizations that have it the best are the ones that, that split it. It's, it is analytics. It's important. But you know what? It's not the B.O. and end, though. It still has to pay, pass the eye candy test. A manager's got to be able to look at something and say, that that's not right. I don't know what's wrong, but I got to pull him out. Or that guy, you know, what is this child got sick this morning and his, his frame of mind isn't very good right now. So I don't know if I should leave him in an extra inning or two. Or I don't know that he should even be playing today because he's had some kind of issue at home or he's not feeling well. Or I mean, something that he sees that isn't right that go against the, 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 the strict, you know, numerical aspects of analytics you know i think you have to be able to look at a situation and be able to make those decisions and not you know have the freedom to do that i think that most most good organizations they give them some managers freedom to make some of those decisions i mean great counsel isn't getting eight million dollars a year for five years to go there to read to read to be subscribed to every analytical aspect there is although the brewers were obviously very analytically driven so he had to do a lot of that yet he's got a reputation as a really good x's and o's a really good manager who does a lot of stuff on gut so you got to be able to meld the two you know and i i don't know where that happy medium is i really don't know where it is but it's someplace where you can meld the analytics with the ability to make a decision based on what your gut tells you because you're an experienced baseball person and your experience tells you this is the right move to make the balance is what everyone's striving for what every team wants like aside from a world series they want that balanced culture between the uh, information age and and just having quality smart baseball people yes. uh, on your side last thing before we head out here and land the plane uh, off season. It seems like activity is about to pick up because you have, you have, you know, players 
Uh, teams have to decide whether players are going to be tendered a contract or not. You have winter meetings starting up. Uh, yes, hot stove beginning December 4th. Uh, so definitely have that on your radar. But as as we are off and running here with this baseball offseason, John, which three teams do you expect to drive the offseason? The Mets will drive, will have a, will be spending money. I'm sure. I mean, and uh, looking to, because they, you know, obviously they have, they don't have the pitching uh, that they need. Uh, they had Shears and Verlander and they moved them. Uh, you know, they were a big part of what they were trying to do. Uh, so, and also, the, you know, well, you know, they'll have help. Diaz will be coming back, which will help the bullpen. But I think that they really need to, to address their pitching. If they want to be a force, they have to have that gets of pitching. And I think they will drive some of the market for pitching, like Yamamoto and whatever. I think, uh, you know, again, I don't know if what, who's going to go where right now at this point, but I do, you know, obviously, obviously the Mets will do everything they can to try and improve their situation, which was needed some improvements, particularly pitching. So I think that they will be a force. I think the Padres will be a force because they're going to have to make moves because their television money just went away with the, the, the what happened in the, with their RSN in San Diego, not being able to you know, be able to meet the money the, that they promised the Padres. Padres making deals based on the money they thought they were going to get, and now they don't have it. So they're going to have to make some moves, and there's some players they can't resign you know, or that they have to think about moving just because of the financial implications of some of those deals. So I think they will be a big player in the sense that they will think they'll be looking to divest. And I think there'll be teams looking to add, obviously, the Mets being one. The Yankees will be looking to, to make some moves for sure. So the Yankees will be right in this thing, I would suspect. You know, so if I had to put, I mean, the, 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 there's other teams that you can, I mean, the Cubs need to, the, you don't make the moves the Cubs made unless you want to get better. So how do they get better? I mean, they, they it's a big market, huge market team and with a big following and they're going to look to, you know, spend some money to get better if they can and make some moves that they need to make. I think the Cubs will be players. You know, the, the Red Sox can't stand pat. I mean, they're the last place team. They can't stand pat. You can't stand pat in the American League East. I see them making some moves too. So there's going to be quite a few teams I think that will be trying to make moves and there'll be teams that are going to have to divest themselves of players because of situations. And I think they'll be, it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. All right, I asked for three. Give me five. Yeah, okay. So I, I tip and tax. I okay. added it. For tip attacks. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, inflation, right? Yes, uh, that's. I'll go. With, I'll go with the Brewers as my top team. The Milwaukee Brewers. Craig Council gone. Brandon Woodruff missing the whole year. Corbin Burns, Willie Adamas. Those are uh, free agents after yeah. next season. Yeah. Milwaukee has trade chips that can alter the entire offseason if they start to rebuild, and I think that they should here because you don't want to bring in a first year manager when. Those pieces are a year away from from free agency, and you you take a look at a team like the Dodgers. Corbin Burns could look pretty good in L.A., right? The Dodgers they need pitching in the How worst Otani? way. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Well, I th uh, for me, I feel like the Dodgers are the landing spot for Shohei Otani, and that's why the Dodgers are a, a team that's driving the offseason for me. Or Seattle, Seattle yeah. could land. I yeah, I I don't think the Dodgers are going to be outbid in this situation. I really don't. I and I, I don't know. I, I again, you we don't we don't know money? a ton about strictly Shohei Otani. You think it's strictly about money? No, I think he's comfortable in Los Angeles, though. Well, I think comfort is what's going to drive this. Yeah. No, I, and, I, yeah. Yeah. When we haven't heard anything about what Shohei Otani wants, prefers, it's a uh, it's he a masterclass. He doesn't yeah. really talk to the media. It's a. 
is a master class in keeping things tight to the vest. But I have the Brewers. I have the Dodgers. I think, you know, L.A. needs pitching in the worst way. Otani obviously can't help him there in that department next year, but he will after that. But I'm really interested to see how they react to filling up their pitching staff because this is probably the most difficult offseason for for Andrew Friedman since he's arrived with the Dodgers. And then I'm going to take I'm going to take the Yankees like you. I, I want to see what the response is. Kind of similar to the Dodgers. I want to see what the response is here. Sounds like they're tripling, quadrupling down on their process. Okay, then then I look forward to seeing the moves or changes that are made that uh, that lead to the results. But I think Craig Council leaving was the first domino to fall for this offseason. It affects the Brewers and how they do business with their big-time free agents to be. And I think they have the chance to alter course, affect how teams look at free agency. If if the Braves, right, could land a Corbin Burns in a trade, well, that's probably going to take them out of the sweepstakes out of the running for other pitchers on the free agent market, a Nola, a Gray, a Snell. Uh, I think uh, it's fascinating in Milwaukee at this moment. Uh, there's no question that the, mm-hmm. the players, you're right, there's no question about that. Uh, but there's several teams that, you know, could alter the course of this. And, uh, you know, sometimes these things have a way of once they start, you, to your point about the Brewers, I think once they start, okay, now we're now we're on the road, and we're gonna we're, we're now we're now we're gonna re- really gonna rebuild mm-hmm. because we can't sign these guys going forward. Or we don't have a good chance at it, or we don't think we will. So therefore, we need to divest and let's get let's get let's start the rebuild. Let's get the prospects we need to to keep that rebuild going in a positive way. And you're right. I mean, it could very well be them. Your Dodgers, to your point, are a very good possible. I mean, they need pitching for sure. They certainly have the assets to get whatever they want. And if they want uh, Otani, they will they will go get Otani. And because uh, he certainly fits the criteria of wanting to play there. Although I wouldn't say that that's the only place he would play. I mean, I know a lot of people said that's the it. No, I don't think that's it at all. I think there are other places he would play for sure. And like I said, I think Seattle might be actually a sleeper here. It might be one of them because you look at them and you say there's a team that's right on the come line. They've got a lot of young talent, a lot of talent that's about to hit prime years, and having him would be uh, really be a one. And again, he—I'm not going to say he's going to pay for himself, but let me put it this way: his marketability is like no one in the game, because of the, especially given the, the appeal of the Japanese appeal, where the game's going back to Japan and those signs. You see the signs; those signs go for fortunes. The, yeah. the, 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 the back to the Japanese market. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. So yes, you'd have to pay significant money to get him, but he brings back a lot of money and merchandise and and and, and signage and you know all sorts of uh, you know uh, you know commercial opportunities. So you know he's not going to pay for himself, but he'll de- defer a lot of the cost. So he's a, he's an asset worth for anybody to go after. This question of where does he want to go? Because obviously he's going to pick wherever he wants to go, and the money may might even be. Comparable in some cases, you know. I don't know. I don't know how you exceed a blank check, but it could be done, I suppose. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll find out with Otani, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. One, one thing to note, though, with the Mariners, there's no, there's no uh, income tax in Washington State, so well, that, they have that going for them. That's true. They have that going for them. They have a, a really good team that's, yeah. you know, kind of underachieved. They got hot toward the end. I mean, they almost, they almost pulled it off after being sort of somewhere disappoint, actually disappointing for a while. But they they got hot at the end and 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 fell short. But but there's a team with so much potential, so many really good young players. And I guess it's not even their prime yet. I I, I like them a lot. I, I they my chalk coming out of spring training. I picked them. Uh, I actually picked them to win the West. Sorry, I did. And um, uh, but they uh, they uh, I, I think getting him would really put them in a really interesting spot. Like I said, a lot of the money to get him 
could be this cost that they could get they could bring back to other revenue streams so it's not as expensive as as it sounds all right john we're riding with the uh with the wind at our tail anything else before it. we land the plane no i'm, I'm ready baby Let's all right get in the air all right we are uh we're, we're flying polaris too so you're gonna you're gonna have right. to cool off your towel off uh about to land as we close out this episode of the Curtain Call podcast, quick reminder again, Yankees Hot Stove returns to the Yes Network on Monday, December 4th. So mark your calendars there. Tune in to Yankees Hot Stove. That's Monday, December 4th. We'll talk to you before then. But until then, for John J. Filippelli, for our great producer, Dan Bussone, I'm Justin Shackle. We will talk to you next time on the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network.